Hey, this is Austin Pritchard, and you're listening to Homestead Family Podcast. On this episode, I'm talking with a really awesome guest, Rohan Dredge, all the way from Australia, and we had an amazing conversation around family and navigating COVID in a different country, family of origin, seasons of life and change. This was such a cool episode. I'm looking forward to sharing it. So without anything else, we're going to dive right into today's conversation. All right. Well, I'm so happy to have Ronan Dredge here with me today on the podcast, taking the time all the way from Australia. So nice to have you today. It's an absolute pleasure, Austin. I've been looking forward to this conversation because we've been, uh, you know, prepping for it together and talking about what's uh, what would be a really great uh, way to serve your listeners. I'm I'm stoked. Yeah, and you know, it was uh, it was a lot of work. Uh, getting schedules to match and time zones to match. I think that was maybe the hardest for me is wrapping my mind around you being on the other side of the world and doing this. So thanks for working yeah. that into your morning. I think that's a really cool thing. I mean, right now it's your evening, my morning. And I always tell my North American friends, because we're ahead of you by like 12 or 14 hours, sometimes 17 hours. So mm. I always tell my North American friends, it's okay it's going to be a great day for you because I'm already here. So right. there I, you go. Yeah, I, I was going to ask some, what's uh, some advice we need for Friday, <laughs> but wake up. Be up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's so awesome. You know, I, I actually started this podcast out of a heart just to help people through COVID and the pandemic. And my, my goal was really to give a resource to where marriages and families would be stronger on the other side of what they're going through and not uh, weaker or breaking down. So I'm really happy to have you on this. And, you know, maybe a great place to to start would be to tell us about maybe your marriage story, your family's story. Yeah, look, um, well, thank you. And um, I mean, in a way, I I feel like you're going to get half the story and you probably uh, need to interview my wife, Megan, at some point to get the truth. And uh, or at least that's how we talk about it. And uh, because we've got this ongoing joke you know we say even to our kids we've got right at at the time of recording our daughter's nearly 12 and our son's nine and and we say to them do you want to hear how mommy and daddy met do you want to hear daddy's story um do you want to hear mommy's story or do you want to hear the truth that's what i say (laughs) and um and so we we have this running joke so well again austin at the time of recording uh february 2022 we'll be married 25 years Wow. And uh, it it kind of blows us away. I think um, I think it's like everybody. People tell you the time, uh, or Sandra Stanley says that you know when it comes to parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are seasons that feel like they've gone slow. There are seasons that feel like they've gone fast. I can hardly believe you know I changed cities thirteen years ago, and uh, and in a few months' time, I'm, I'm we're changing cities again as a family. And so, you know, all of those things kind of back up to, to, to make your, your marriage story. But 
short version of events. I uh, I actually worked with Megan's mum. I started life as a as a school teacher, and uh, Megan would visit her mum at work, and I would notice her. And uh, let's put it that way. And uh, apparently, uh, apparently, uh, it was mutual. And uh, we then sort of realized that that was uh, that was happening and kind of navigated our way through to a period of dating. We dated for a couple of years mm-hmm. and uh, we got engaged and married in three months. Uh, we, we just didn't, didn't want to waste any time with that. Uh, we were both studying. We both had jobs. So we, we wanted to kind of time things around the academic year and all those various things and uh so that was uh that was february the 8th 1997 and then we were uh, living in the southern suburbs of sydney near the water uh, i was in ministry at the time and megan joined me in in that role so in studying um, and we did that for several years and uh we actually by choice delayed having children and uh that was uh just a choice that we made uh, it's not one we regret at all uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of worked worked for us and so we were married um, 13 years before we we had our our first child uh, her name is Zariah she's our, our daughter and uh, her name means princess of God and uh, a couple of years later we uh, we had our son Maddox and uh, he's uh, so he's nine and uh, his his name means blessed of God so we're uh, we're pretty good um, we're pretty good with those names we're happy yeah um and uh in 2009 we actually moved from sydney south to a city called melbourne uh, where i took on the role of uh, leading a church Um, i was also running a corporate business uh, corporate coaching practice at the same time which is what i do full time and we've been here in melbourne for 13 years and in just a few months time we're relocating to what north americans would understand as as florida uh, um, and so we're actually relocating to a warmer part of the country, uh, mm-hmm. closer to the beach. And our kids, are, my, our daughter's going to start high school up there. So, oh my gosh, um, marriage wow. and family, they kind of interrelate and they move. We've traveled, we've bought and sold investment properties. We've had babies We've, you know, we've had challenges with having babies. We've, we've had career changes all, and we've done it all together. And now, mm-hmm. as you know, at the time of recording, you know, we've been in two years of a pandemic and uh, I tell you what, you're going to want to love your partner if you're going to be locked down with them. That's uh, yeah, there's a, uh, there's some real challenges there, but uh, less so for us, fortunately. I think that, that I think has surprised a lot of people. I know it surprised um, a lot of people. I knew the, the lockdown didn't affect my schedule too much over the last two years, being in ministry as a pastor and then doing like counseling and therapy pretty much both those jobs in, you know, North America and in in our state in Pennsylvania were considered essential. So I went to work almost every day for the last two years. Um, But a lot of people were at home or moved to remote working and found out a lot of differences being married and around someone 24 seven than when you get a few hours a day and two days on the weekend. Right. Yeah. Look, I don't know that you could have said it better. That is uh, that, People got thrust into that. And I always said that, that at least my reflection, I won't say it as I always said, it sounds like I'm an expert, I'm a, I'm a pilgrim. My reflection is, is that the pandemic that we've experienced for everybody is the, what I call the great revealer. Whether mm-hmm. it, whatever has been in us, 
was revealed and accelerated, I think. And so to some degree, I want to acknowledge, Austin, anyone listening to this conversation whose home life is a challenge, I want to acknowledge that. And in your role in, in, in pastoral ministry and therapy, you would be you would be acutely aware of that to anybody um, to anybody that uh, has had a tough time in this last period of time, you know, my heart really goes out to them because it has been hard and it's been particularly hard here in Australia with, you know, multiple months of lockdown, kids doing remote learning, working from home, um, businesses scrambling to keep their people safe and productive. And I think it's created a lot of tensions and a lot of challenges in the marriage and family unit. And I will say one thing, Mm -hmm. the flip side, and I've been listening to a, uh, some podcasts by an author called Nia Ayal, and he talks about the distinction between the distinction between a, a child, for example, playing video games and a child watching television. So there's actually a big difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. And some children are actually demonstrating, and, and I'll apply this to marriages as well. Some children, families, and marriages are actually demonstrating a deeper level of connection and a deeper level of engagement because they have been thrust together and they do do things together wow. as a family unit. So for okay. us, yeah, even as recently as last night, right, our kids walked out with a with a with a um, an invitation that they'd created. It was an A4 page, and they'd written, "Could we please have?" And then there was a picture of a fire a fire tonight and go to our local supermarket and buy. And there was pictures of ice creams uh, so that we can celebrate lockdown. And did we have a plan for dinner? Yes. Was dinner getting cooked? Yes. Did we say yes? Yes. So last night we had a fire. I took them out. We bought way more ice cream than we should have. (laughs) And we're going to, we're going to be good for a couple of months. And we, and we made a memory. And so that's a win for us. And I realize that's kind of a long answer, but there are two sides. I want to acknowledge those, but I think from our perspective, we're coming out strong as a, as a family and we appreciate that. We're grateful for it. I think that's so beautiful and hearing that and the perspective that you and your family is taking towards this, right? On, on saying yes to the opportunities and where your focus is versus where um, it could go, right? We could focus on all the challenges, all the things we're missing out on, but you found this beautiful moment even just last night. Um, before we started recording, you and I were talking, Ronan, about the uh, reality that I just traveled internationally and you used to do that regularly, but haven't been able to leave Australia for like two years in this big life change. I think that's something very different from America versus um, Australia. How has that been um, a challenge or how's that affected you over the last year? Well, you get, it's really interesting how adaptable we are as humans. And so for a start, you know, we couldn't not only travel internationally, Austin, we couldn't travel domestically. Oh, wow. And so- so we've had, you know, we've had lockdowns between states. And so uh, we aren't able to cross those, those state lines even. And so, you know, again, at the time of recording, we haven't seen our family uh, for, it'll be eight months. Uh, we haven't mm-hmm. seen our families that live in other states. 
it feels a bit like <laughs> you said to me, I just got home from a missions trip overseas. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, I think I know where my passport is. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, I can figure that out. But it's, it's, it's not something that it just feels like a thing of the past. It feels wow. like something I did in 2019 and mm. uh, thought I'd do in 2020. Uh, but didn't thought I'd do in 2021 that didn't. And I'm not even sure I'm going to do it next year. So right. uh, it's just a bit of a wait and see. Has that been, but, has that been something that's been like scary or concerning for you? I feel like there's this, uh, a thought that can happen. I know it can happen in my mind where I'm like, I really hope that there are things that just won't go away. Right. Yeah. Well, what what do you mean by that? Are you saying like, uh, do how how do I think about traveling internationally in the in the you know on the edge of a pandemic? Is that what you're is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Or like, um, how adaptable we are. Like, it's it's almost like not traveling. We've we've adapted to these realities and these situations and become okay where it was two weeks to flatten a curve. And then it was like, all right, this is more serious than we thought. So we're going to make some more changes and do some more strict requirements. And we just become familiar with the routine, right? It's, having a mask in our car and one in our bag and, and one on our face is normal. Now it's, it's, you know, keys, wallet, mask when we leave the house where, um, and maybe that's not even a huge thing, right? Japan's been doing that for who knows how long, but, for us, um, I know definitely in North America, there's this um, rub between back to normal and what new normal is going to be in this reality of what we've become comfortable with or accepted in the middle of a pandemic. But has that been hard maybe to hold on to like hope of things you love doing pre-pandemic that you're still hopeful to do in the future? Yeah, that, that, that really helps. Gosh, uh, it's a bit of both. You know, it's bittersweet because when you travel for work like I do, you're away for things and you 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 miss you miss the mundane, beautiful things like morning routine. In you know, quite happy to with our listeners. I asked you if I could have a few minutes because I'd just been on a call, but I needed to run downstairs and and kiss my little girl goodbye because she's going to school for the first time in three months. You know, mm. if I'm traveling, I don't get to do that. So there's a part of me that's like, you know, if I can figure out this working from home gig and, uh, and making sure I can be productive and profitable and contribute well, wow, that's not a bad thing to think about doing. And at the same time, I really like traveling and uh, my wife likes traveling and my family likes traveling. We got no problem getting on a plane and, and going somewhere to the, you know, to the extent that we can. So I miss that. Mm -hmm. I'm not a uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not somebody that gets overly anxious about these sorts of things, but I do believe in being safe, not just for myself, but for everybody else. So, you know, I mean, a mask is now a fashion statement in so many ways. And, and, uh, and so you go, okay, I'm going to be wearing a mask for a period of time. Do I personally love it? Not really. Will I do it? Yes. Will I do it while I travel? Of course, because it allows us to do those things. And uh, I think there's a, I guess, and this this is part of marriage, you know, I sort of feel a bit like I've got a responsibility to the greater good and I'm happy to, happy to play my part with all of that. 
Yeah, I think that's so such a healthy mindset, right? And how you're approaching it. While you were talking, I was thinking to see if I can remember the thought that you spurred in my mind. But just this um, reassessment of how we do life, right? Even over this last two years, it sounds like you found these new rhythms and things that you enjoy in in your routine, in your family, being there with your your kids and your wife, um, and are reassessing how you work, right? We're seeing that internationally across every every organization, seeing what's essential, what's necessary, where are people happy and productive. Um, I think that's such a good way to look at it, right? Change change is hard <laughs> for all of us. Like humans, we don't like change. We like staying the same. Um, but at the same time, it's necessary, right? There's this balance of familiar and change that we're always wrestling with in our families and our homes. And I think this last year has really challenged that. And, and you know, in marriage, we see that, right? Uh, you're not the way you used to be or or people change and and the hope is that we grow together. What was there something like in your marriage when you got when you got married? What was uh, something you weren't expecting that you found? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, these are uh, these are incredible questions, and I'm going to answer them from my perspective. And I think um, there's a couple of things, and uh, we've been heavily influenced in in our marriage and family by uh, a couple called John and Helen Burns. And uh, they are they're based in Vancouver, Canada, and th- they are specialists in the area of marriage and family. They've impacted us enormously uh, in that space. John said uh, one thing early on in, uh, in our marriage, and he said, you've got to mine the gold in your wife's heart. Mm-hmm. And I realized you know, I'd made a whole bunch of assumptions about marriage and family. I'd made a whole bunch of assumptions about communication. I'd made a whole bunch of assumptions about roles. And uh, and fundamentally, they didn't work and we needed to relearn. And uh, the relearning is the hard bit. You know, you learn very quickly whether something works or not. That's, right. that's pretty quick. You run out of runway and you think, wow, I got no other tools in my toolkit. And, uh, and you think, uh, but then how do you relearn? And so, you know, I wasn't expecting that in every season and as you turn every corner and you go through different things, as a as a, a husband, as as a wife, that there are a handful of things that you can actually keep doing that really serve the marriage and serve mm-hmm. each other, and that mining the gold in your wife's heart was a really big one for me. It changed it changed how present I was. It changed how much TV I watched or didn't watch. It changed what we did when we sat down and spent time together. It changed questions that we asked each other. We probably did that 20 years ago, and it's been really, really useful and really, really helpful since then. And so that's just one thing. You know, I wasn't expecting that you'd have to work at that all the time, that it would change all the time. And I mean, it sounds, as, as you say it, Austin, you know, nearly 25 years on, I feel silly. I feel silly about what I, what I, like I, about what I didn't know. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, what? You know, I'm probably normal. I'm probably more normal uh, than I care to admit in that sense. And so, you know, marriage has been an adventure in discovering your partner 
mm. in discovering what they think about kids and priorities and being social and going out and what you do with money and all these other things, uh, the perspectives that you've got. I mean, one uh, question you asked me, was there something I wasn't expecting in marriage, right? And mm. I said, I was not expecting, I wrote down one phrase, I was not expecting the impact of family of origin to be as significant as it was. Yeah. And, well, um, uh, unpack, can you unpack that a little bit for us, if you don't yeah, mind? Yeah, well, um, with them, mostly with pleasure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are from quite different families. I'm, I'm the middle child of five kids. Um, my family is, is lovingly disengaged. So, in, you know, in the family systems theory, um, we love each other, but we're not connected to each other. We mm -hmm. don't ring each other every day. We don't, you know, we kind of forget each other's birthdays a little bit, but we love each other fiercely and deeply. We're just not living in each other's pockets. Megan's from a lovingly engaged family, only two kids, um, two girls. And so, um, you know, the, the, the household was strongly skewed towards the, the three females. Dad's a very, very supportive man. He's a beautiful human being and uh, my father-in-law. And, um, and that's just the beginning. You know, my family is loud. We're table bangers. We, 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 you know, we're, we're like, if we need to resolve things, there was noise. Megan's family is the opposite. My family kind of, we kind of hunted as a pack because my dad was a bit disconnected from his brothers. And, but Megan's family uh, had Nana around and grandpa and grandma around and the mm -hmm. aunties around and, and those sorts of engagements. And so, you know, I just wasn't ready for how deeply those belief systems and those behaviors run in your family. And I'll right. give you an example. And Megan doesn't mind me sharing this one. You know, early days, we would, when we fought and we, our first real juicy fight as a married couple was on the seventh day of our honeymoon. <laughs> and I'm, a, <laughs> I don't know if you're laughing because you, you appreciate it or you've heard it all before. All I can appreciate <laughs> it. I, I, I always tell people, um, if someone tells me they don't fight in their marriage, I either, I, they're either lying to me or they don't care enough to fight. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I'm, um, we certainly cared enough to fight. We just weren't ready for how each of us handled it. So Megan's strategy which she learned in her family was silence, right? You, you retreat, you go silent, mm -hmm. the issue goes away, and then we just move on. My family is the in absolute opposite. You arc up, you talk about it, you get in the person's face. If that doesn't happen, you ratchet it up again a little bit more. And we're fighting on a plane coming home from the first week of our honeymoon wow. austin and yeah. i'm getting the silent treatment in row 34b right and it's just winding me up and i'm like oh my goodness and i'm you know i was pretty well prepared i'd done a lot of reading with preparation and i this still caught me by surprise and it still does Mm -hmm. And Megan would say this phrase, she would say, I would say, babe, you know, I'm really sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that that happened. I'm, I really want to improve. And she would say this to me. She would say, sorry means you're not going to do it again. Mm. 
Now, this is 25 years ago, okay? So we, we don't, that's not our current view of the world. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm stuffed. I don't know if you're allowed to say that on a North American podcast, but yeah, you're like, good. I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. I am sorry means you're not going to do it. I think I'm going to do it again. I'm pretty sure I'm going to try not to, but um, so do I say sorry or do I not say sorry? Like where, uh, but that was family of origin stuff. Yeah. Right. Wow. I think so many of our listeners just resonated with what you said right there. Just about every married couple could probably at some point put their finger on a moment in their marriage. Like, yes, that. Yeah. Well, cause the other thing was, you know, I came from a traditional nuclear family. The gender roles were very, very clear. My mom, uh, the, my parents are in their eighties. Now they've been married 50, uh, 55 years. And, um, and they're doing great. And they taught me so much. My mom is the backbone of our, the generations uh, in our family, five children, 14 grandchildren. The model that I was taught was that mom's role was to agree or acquiesce to dad's decision in terms of authority. Mm -hmm. When you're born in the thirties and grew up in the forties and fifties and got married in the sixties, that's not a surprise. Right. Very few people approach the marriage relationship that way now. That mindset got shaped with me. Now, the bit that was really unhelpful, Austin, was I got taught that mum's job was to agree with dad. Megan got taught that the female's job was to say whatever she wanted. Mm. So we take that into a marriage relationship. And I've got this wild lady disagreeing with me and i've got this unconscious unhelpful picture of how this is supposed to go down and mm -hmm. we're trying to work out how to build a life together i mean this is just crazy mm -hmm. but until you learn that i learned that in my family of origin and it's completely unhelpful rowan uh, you need to come up with a different way of approaching it so i just want to acknowledge that for everybody that's kind of wanting to pound on me right now Unless I, I acknowledge that and we change it, we have got problems waiting to happen, Austin. Yeah. Wow. I, and that self-awareness that you're showing now is, is so beautiful. I think there's research, and I don't know if you've heard of John and Julie Gottman and the Gottman Institute on the West Coast of America, but one of the things I love that they came out with is that fighting or arguments don't predict success or failure of relationships. And they also came out with some studies that show about 60% of what you fight over or you'll always fight over because they're character stuff. Like you're not going to resolve every conflict, but you can learn how to manage them. And just like you're saying, I'm probably going to do this again because it's so ingrained in who I am, but I'll become aware of it. And then we're going to manage it and kind of ride through that and not let it be something that becomes you know, like this deep, bitter root in our relationship. Yeah, exactly so right. It's exactly right. I mean, gosh, I mean, we, I was probably the slow learner in, in, in the relationship, to be honest. I, I, I wanted Megan to adapt to me. It took me a while to go through that process of going, hang on a minute. That's not being a servant. That's not laying down your life. That's not loving my wife sacrificially. You know, I realized that there were some things in me that were not contributing to a healthy marriage relationship. And 
it is still true today, like 25 years on. Right. I need to work just as hard on me and just as hard on our marriage. You never graduate from it, Austin. In 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 a way, if you're a couple or you're a husband or a wife and you're listening to this and that creates some dread for you, you got to go do the work. I mm-hmm. when I when I say now, you never graduate from working on yourself, you never graduate from working on your marriage. I'm actually excited about that. I'm looking forward to what the next 10 years looks like, what the next 20 years looks like, what the next 30 years looks like. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm in for a few shocks and surprises along the way, I am sure. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, never let that relationship get stale, right? You never figure it out. You're always learning something new. There's always something, because we're growing as individuals. We're not the same people we were 5, 10, 15 years ago, and we're not going to be the same person in the future. Um, You had talked about a couple of people that have been influential in your life and in your relationship and I was wondering if there's a like a go-to resource that you have for marriage or relationship. There's you know a book or a, now we have blogs and podcasts and everything available. There's so many great resources. Is there anything that really has stuck out for you and Megan in your relationship? Yeah, well, I mentioned John and Helen. They've they've been profoundly uh, impactful on us, um, and I just admire people with a a real grace gift around marriage and family. My, our pastors, Michael and Valerie, you know, they, when I, I started life as a high school teacher, did a bunch of years in ministry. Now I'm working corporately. Michael and Valerie were great examples to us. So there's firstly those informal experiences mm-hmm. and the informal relationships because you learn from that. You learn from them. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the big, they were the big influences. There's a, a whole stack of great books around marriage and family and around prepping and prepping for marriage and prepping for family, communication, intimacy. And in essence, Austin, you know, there's a whole series like egg riches and, and um, uh, the, the stuff from um, uh, even Tim Keller and, and various other resources that and I grab a hold of all of that stuff and try and just make, make sense of it. Um, I equally would put in front of our listeners that there's work. So for example, um, Richard Raw's work on male spirituality, um, John Eldridge's work that followed on from that on, on manhood. I think there's an equal amount of emphasis needs to be put on your own formation as a person. So gosh, I know I'm not being specific, but you know, Google, yeah, I want to make my marriage better, and and, and there's just a series of of, of um, resources. I think what I would say is this: what's really important is to know the season that your marriage is in right now, and find the resource that serves that. Yeah, that's good. That's really now, good. Yeah, because what I mean by that is the blurriest year of our married life was the year our second child was born. I do, I do, I hardly remember that year because. We had a two-year-old. We had a newborn. Had a, I was working two jobs. Megan was um, being the primary parent at home, but not by herself. And neither of us get a break. You know, when I'm so when I come home from quote unquote work, my wife's been working all day and through the night, and so you know it's a huge commitment. And so, okay, well, what gets you through that, and what helps you understand that? 
in a way that helps you serve each other. I went through a really significant and rough career change a few years ago and our we just stopped watching TV and started sitting up at night talking. Now we we're pretty good at talking, but we would be doing that three quarters of the time. Wow. Now we learned the art of sitting on the couch and talking to each other. We we default to sitting on the couch after the kids go to bed and talking to each other. We don't default to the iPad or the television. And we learned that uh, in a season. And I think then the other issue that I would simply say is you've got to realize the seasons that are going on in you as, mm-hmm. a, as a man or you as a woman and respond to that, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'll happily tell you, I'm. I wish I got a consistent relationship with my therapist much earlier. I, I wish I did that much, much earlier. Um, I've paid too high a price for that and I, I wish I didn't. And I wish I'd been able to serve my wife and my family with those learnings much earlier. Mm. And uh, they become really important. Well, thanks so much for, for sharing that, Ronan. I know those are challenging things sometimes. I think the note two two things to comment on man the the beauty of hearing you and your wife sitting and talking together in the evenings is so special i see so often that's something that can be lacking right or uh people don't make that a priority or a time they feel like life just happens and you're not letting life just happen when you're being intentional and sitting together and having conversations together um and then that idea of you said you weren't being specific but you gave very specific things And I think maybe something that's even better than any book or podcast or resource that you can have is trusted, valuable relationships in your life. Those soft things, right? Having people in the stage that you're in, like you talked about, and maybe people in a stage or two ahead of you that you'd be like, yeah, we've been there and you'll get through it, that you can lean on as resources in your life. Having those relationships, like you uh, mentioned, I think is so powerful in in our lives and our marriages. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, the analogy is I, I, I think about growing up. I go, what do I remember about mom and dad? What do I remember about my siblings? I actually, I don't remember the mundane day-to-day. I don't know how the household functions so that seven people ate and seven lots of rooms somehow had a semblance of order and washing got done. And I remember none of that. Maybe to my, you know, I won't say shame because that's not how I think about life, but maybe I should have thought about it a little bit more. But I do remember, you know, when when we went on a camping trip, I do remember my dad driving me across town to play sport. I do remember, uh, I do remember my mum and dad prioritizing going away to celebrate their anniversary, just the two of them. I don't remember how important it was. It's really amazing how when you think about that, you go, wow, so what does that mean for my marriage? Mm -hmm. It's it's easy to make light of special things. Mm. You know, like what's Megan's love language? My wife's love language is quality time. She goes, just you and me. I would invite everybody to everything. And she's like, I just want it to be us, mm-hmm. which is why, the, you know, I would like to, to sit in front of Netflix and chill out. But my wife needs me to be present and just chat. Yeah. And that is a way. So 
it's those sorts of things. What fills her tank? What serves her? What questions do I need to ask her so she feels like she's got confidence and certainty around where we're going as a married couple and, and, and as a family? And she's as much part of that as I am. It's like, what do you think? What do you want? Yeah. Is there anything you're looking forward to? Are you worried about anything? It's all those sorts of things that I'm just checking in on. And then remembering the moments and the times and realizing that, you know, sometimes serving her just means taking a load off, means not doing something without being asked, means managing the kids so she can have space, mm-hmm. right? Or go for, go for the walk that she's, that, she's, um, that she's thinking about, all those sorts of things. They sound little, but my goodness, Austin, when you add them up over six months to a year, they yeah. make a huge difference. Yeah, so true. Those the little things, it's easy to overlook them, but they they add all the value and the meaning in in what we're doing, right? It's why we do everything else so we can have the ability to do do those things. One one thought, and you've talked about some life change and moving, and you're about to move again as a family. When I work with people, one a lot of times people ask, How do I know? Right. If I'm supposed to be with someone, if you know, working pre-marriage or dating and all these different things. I think historically society's looked at creating these relationships with attraction first, right? Like, all right, I'm attractive physically to someone, there's chemistry there, all the other stuff will work out. And I tend to look at it like that is one of the easiest factors. Like, let's talk about values and beliefs and goals. And when I get to the goals part, I think good relationships come in where your partner helps, makes you better and helps you reach your goals. So I'm wondering like, how have you and Megan and your relationships helped each other reach and achieve your goals? Yeah, fantastic. One of the questions that you asked me to think about in this conversation was how has Megan helped me and vice versa, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I can round it out. I can round it out. And Megan has believed in me when I haven't. Mm. And she has told me I'm a good man when I don't think I am. Wow. So she's believed in me when I haven't. And she's told me I'm a good man when I don't think I am. And that has been life giving to me. Wow. That is beautiful. That has been so kind of her because there, I will honestly say she said those things. And when I've not been a good man, um, you know, mm-hmm. when I've need, uh, when I've been reflecting on something or we're navigating through a, a season and she's like, no, we got to, this is how it's got to be. This is what we got to believe. Mm-hmm. A little bit different, I think, in my role with Megan is she loves to be able to talk things through. She loves to be able to understand uh, by conversation what's important, what matters, and what she thinks. So I've got better at going, hey, babe, what are you thinking about when it comes to this? Is there, and I even ask her, my family's naturally optimistic, her family's naturally less so, right? They worry about some of the, just, just as a family system. Mm-hmm they have a very high need for certainty. And so for a start, we've got a joke. She goes, are you sure this is going to happen? I go 70% sure. Um, you know, and so we've learned that. Yeah. But then I would ask her, I'd say, Hey, what's important to you when we do like, we're, we're moving, we've, we've, mm-hmm. we've sold our house. We've moved once we're moving again. So I would sit with her and I'd say, what's important to you? Is there anything you're concerned about? Are you worried that something will or won't happen? Is there a specific thing that we can do that would make a difference with all of that? What have we got to figure out? And so I actually have learned to serve her by asking more of those questions and then, you know, just executing, just go do it, take the load off, 
So mm-hmm. she doesn't need to worry about those things anymore or make them more of a reality. And so yeah. again, sounds like a little thing, but do those things, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out, season in, season out, Austin, it really adds up. So for example, we got a big family move coming. I know what the priorities are to Megan. I know what they are and I'm, I'm helping make them happen. And that makes a huge difference for her. That's so good. I think not just asking the question, but then actually adding action to it. I've, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, we were talking about empathy, right? And understanding what someone's going through. But then if you add um, compassion to it, to the empathy, it leads to action and change. And that, that's essentially what I'm hearing you describe, right? You're, you're taking the time to understand her, your wife's need and then also adding the compassion of wanting to meet that need. How can I help? What can I do? And then acting on it. And I think that's just a beautiful example of a healthy marriage at 25 years in. I hope so. <laughs> and like, I, honestly, I'm a student. I'm such a student. And I'm still learning about my own mistakes, my own kind of vulnerabilities. Um, you know, we learned a long time ago, right? Jim Rowan, one of my favorite mentors I never met. He said this, I'll look after me for you. If you will please look after you for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. It was a game changer because I realized I was expecting Megan to play a role in my formation that wasn't her job. And I, I then, and that took, you know, we'd been married 10, 12 years at that point. So it was, you know, that was rough. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I'll look after me. I will take care of my formation, my responsibility, my health, my wellness. And I'm going to bring that back to you as a gift. Mm-hmm. And I'd love you to do the same. I love that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Ah, oh, well, that's kind of the pivotal learning for for me, right? I'm gonna go do the work. I'm gonna get therapy, read the book, talk to a friend, find out what I don't know, say mm-hmm. sorry, because I'm gonna look after me for you. Yeah, I love that. What's uh, what's something that you're currently doing that you just love right now? I love, well, you know, you are talking to somebody at this point in time who literally woke up this morning out of lockdown. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to go more than 15 kilometers from my home, Austin. That's what I, <laughs> I love that. I actually had that question when I first started, um, I would ask it, I, I rephrased it and it didn't even click in my mind, right? The difference between like North America and, and the United States versus other countries like Australia, like we've exactly. lifted out of lockdown twice. And there's this reality that I used to ask the question, um, what are you looking forward to do on looking forward to on the other side of the pandemic? And that's really mm. your reality right now. It is. And I, I'm a big believer in. So, for example, our worlds have got smaller, right? We haven't had social lives. I've worked from home. My clients are all over the place. It's just been us. So really, you know, our responsibility for on and off for the last 18 months is the, 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 the health and wellness of our kids mm-hmm. and the health of wellness of each other. So, you know, we, you're talking like, am I moving? Am I exercising every day? Am I eating well? Am I still being a reasonable human at home? Now, where, where we've got an advantage, we're, we're moving house. We're going to live uh, a, a, a less than a mile from the beach wow. and, um, and uh, flat walk. 
and we've got things to look forward to. So I am really looking forward to that. And so we've built some rituals around that move with the kids and with Megan. And we're going, okay, so the kids got to choose their new trampoline. We're, we're looking up stand-up paddle boards on mm-hmm. the secondhand marketplaces. Yeah. And I'm asking Megan about what it is that she'd like and how would she, what, you know, what do we need to do differently to the house? What can we get organized in advance? So we've mm-hmm. got a project and we're going to get to that project right at the peak of summer and, uh, and really, you know, look forward to it. So specifically, that's the project that's going on at the moment. But then if you jump that out, Megan's got some really, she's an educator. She's got some really exciting work uh, priorities at the moment. And uh, she's also, you know, kind of project manager on us moving. Um, I've, I'm continuing to deepen the work that I'm doing with clients. I'm writing a book and there's just, there's just really interesting things that are going on. And, uh, but part of it is Austin, sometimes when your world gets smaller, you've got to make some big things in that world. Mm-hmm. So a fire and an ice cream and a skateboard and a walk around the block or a ride, they are big things at that point in time. And uh, I just think it's perspective. Again, I get it doesn't sound that great. It doesn't, it sounds a bit beige, but, but it, it's the, these lit, you know, over 25 years, those little mm-hmm. things add up to make a huge difference. Yeah. That's awesome. What's been now, as, as we kind of wrap up our time together, cause I'm respectful of, of your day and you've been so gracious with the time on the podcast. Um, yeah, I've just, a couple questions left. Um, one of them that I love sharing and asking is what's been your biggest relationship struggle? We can paint a picture for people to see, and then there's everything underneath. So if you're, if you're willing and taking that moment of vulnerability, I'd love to hear uh, your response. Yeah, no problem. I, it, I think it's a tale of two halves in, and a long time ago, I read a quote and it said, I've had more problems with myself than any other man I've met by a man called Dwight Morrow. And I'm like, I am that quote. I like, this is, this is a really, wow. Me looking in the mirror. I take very seriously the value of responsibility. I think if you do something wrong, make it right. Uh, If you're unaware, become aware. I probably spent the first half of our 25 years thinking Megan was the source of my anger and frustration. And I've spent the last 10 or 15 years realizing that it's in me. So at a, in a nutshell, the biggest struggle that we've had in our marriage is me. The biggest struggle that we've had in our marriage are my insecurities and my anger and my lack of formation. And I don't know a person that doesn't have a story like that but I do know people that don't do something about it. And that's the bit that's real risky. And so when I realized that I might be married to her, but I don't have as much power and as much control and as much influence as I thought, but I do have that over me. That was a real game changer. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wish and hope that I can share that with other people. So it always starts with, okay, Rowan, where are you going off track? What are you not doing here? What's it telling you about you? Because Megan triggered my insecurities and my anger perfectly. She was Mm. brilliant at it. She didn't try to. She was just 
I'm really good at it, but it's my job to take responsibility for those and to make yeah. those changes. And honestly, Austin, people listening, I'm still doing it. I'm still, I'm still in therapy. I'm still learning. I'm still getting professional help to become the man that I'm supposed to become to help be part of a marriage that flourishes and a family that thrives. Um, I need help and I still need help and I'm going to need help. I reckon for the rest of my life and I'm, I'm good with that. I'm looking forward to it right. mostly. Yeah. I, well, I think that's great hearing how you're integrating those things and thank you so much for, you know, taking that. Um, I'm always amazed at the different answers I get when I ask that question, mm -hmm. but that thought of owning your own role in the situation, you know, I'll often work with people and tell them, you know, the only thing you really have control over is your response, right? The only thing we can, I can't control anyone else. I'm, but I, I can't control situations, what happens, but I can, I can control how I respond to things. So mm. that's such good, uh, good insight that you have there on, on a higher note, right? What's been your biggest relationship victory over 25 years? Yeah, I think we have got better and better at the two becoming one. I mm. think we, 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 and the crazy thing about that is you, you individuate and then you re-engage. And I think we're better and better at that than we've ever been. I think we're more excited about helping each other's individual uniqueness flourish mm -hmm. and more excited about two are better than one. We say yeah. to each other all the time, Hey babe, two are better than one. And that's been, that's been fantastic. Obviously, we we love our marriage, but we love our family and what we're what we're doing there. We've still got lots of adventures ahead of us, but that is that's more of an outcome. The seed of that is that we're more united about our future and what we're doing together and how that's working its way out into the into the world than than we've ever been before. It's brilliant. I love that. You guys are more united and connected than you were yesterday. Love it. Um, the last question I always ask everyone is what's one thing you would hope every couple would know? Yeah. People uh, ask me that question. And I say, this is what I've learned about marriage so far, that one of the greatest gifts you can give your partner is the gift of allowing them to change. Mm. And I think, you know, Megan's the same girl I married 25 years ago and she's very different all at the same time. Yeah. And I need to be able to give her the space, you know, provide the resource, be the, be the, 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 the voice, the space, the, the holder of the, the, the tensions, whatever it is that actually lets her continue to grow, thrive and flourish. And I reckon when we stop doing that to ourselves and with each other, I reckon we're in, we're in strife, but I don't want to hold Megan to being the person she was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I actually want to flip that and go, who are you going to be in three years? Who are you going to be in five years? Who are you going to be in seven years? How do I help that? Mm -hmm. And so the gift of change, I think is a really powerful thing because it means you let some things go and you embrace new things. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. I love that idea. And then complementing that would be growing together, right? Yeah, so exactly. maybe the trick to that is that I can't stay the same person, right? If I'm not willing to change and grow, and my spouse is changing and growing, that challenges me. So having that effort to also grow and do the work alongside each other and, and grow 
that keeps that unity strong. So that's, that's awesome. Well, Rowan, thank you so much for taking the time. How could, if people want to best connect with you and learn more about what you're doing and see this awesome uh, one mile to the beach new move you have? <laughs> yeah, people are going to like knock on my door and say, I heard you had an Airbnb on Austin's podcast. I go, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, look, LinkedIn's an excellent place. Rowan Dredge, R-O-H-A-N Dredge, D-R-E-D-G-E. I'm Rowan at rowandredge.com is my email address. And my website's rowandredge.com. I run a business with my my buddy, Mike Hardy. It's called Four Leaders Global, F-O-R, Leaders Global. And uh, we run a training and development company helping leaders uh, function and thrive. And uh, we do that globally. And so, yeah, I'm very easy to find. I've got a pretty unique name and, uh, and I'd, I'd relish anyone that listened to this podcast, reach out, tell me how, how we connected. Um, I always enjoy that and I will get back to you. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty active on all the socials. So. I was, it's a blessing. I, I am honored that you took the time to share your story. Maybe we can do it again and hear the other half with Megan. Thank you so much for the time. Be blessed. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for listening to Homestead Family Podcast. This is a production of Homestead Family Therapy in Pennsylvania. Be sure to check out our new merchandise like t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs by clicking on the merch link in the show notes. Also, don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast player and share this episode with a friend. That helps us out a ton and really gets the information into people's hands and ears. The opinions and views produced by the host and guests of this show are just that, their opinions and views. These are not replacements for professional support. If you are in need of support, connect with a local professional in your area today.